What's up, everyone? Here we are, part two of Legacy Week for October, and we are covering, of course, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Damn, this is going to be fun. The first episode with Greg from Neon Brainiacs was awesome. One of my favorite episodes I've done, uh, just to find someone... uh, I mean, and they're out there, and they're more than you think, that are huge fans of this film. You know, Greg went on to say that this film was not only one of his favorite horror films, it's one of his favorite films, one of his favorite movies, period. So to get someone from Pittsburgh, uh, Tom Atkins' uh, stomping ground, uh, who also runs a horror podcast himself uh, with a partner, this has been, uh, it was awesome to talk to him. We have Mr. Lou Smith from Burger Creek Productions, uh, and he also, on top of hopefully at, at some point again, uh, booking shows and running that with myself uh, as his uh, Syracuse cohort, um, he lives out in Albany, and he is our guest today to talk Halloween 3 because he has some insight, opinions, and uh, what better guest to have to uh on our legacy week to have uh talk about halloween three lou is always uh one of my favorite people on the entire planet to have conversations with be it movies or music so this is going to be uh ideal uh part two of three episode three we are going to have both tyler brothers on but uh right now you're going to get mr uh lewis smith and uh this is going to be awesome. It's just such a blast. It's such a, a goddamn blast to talk this film. Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. There are fans out there. There's a lot of fans out there. And goddamn, it deserves a legacy week. And it's getting it here on the Heart Guy Media Podcast. So enjoy Part 2, Legacy Week, Season of the Witch, Halloween 3 name and create a mythos around shit that happens around halloween why did they label it as part of the franchise right but at the at the end of the day it's even as a standalone the movie's fucking crazy you know it's insane i i think they should completely rebrand it and uh consider it just call it season of the witch take the halloween three off the fucking thing and and i think people i think that's where the whole fucking well we're we're gonna get into it yes yes so here we are uh mr Lou, Lewis, <laughs> Lucifer Smith is uh, is here to talk Halloween three season of the witch part two of three of Legacy Week. Lou, welcome aboard, dude. Thanks for having me back. I feel like I never, I will, I, I, I have never, and I will never get tired of uh, bullshitting with you. This is always an honor. Oh, it's a. Uh, it's always a blast because we just get fucking, we get going, and uh, our significant others can't handle it sometimes, us, <laughs> us babbling to them. So once in a while, we got to fucking, we got to hit these topics uh, on the old podcast between the two of us. <laughs> Very much agreed. So in 1982, this film comes out. 
Season of the Witch, Halloween 3. The, uh, initially meant to be, of course, as we are just talking, uh, a spinoff. It was going to be, and it was, uh, you know, Carpenter never wanted to do a sequel anyway. They talked him into, you know, allowing and going forth, at least giving them the fucking... I think at that point, he was just like, fuck, you're going to pay me because you got to use all the namesakes and, and the title. Fuck, I'll take the checks. And he's admitted that, thankfully. Uh, John John Carpenter is someone who has uh, never minced uh, words, to, to say the very least. Uh, but we get the first Halloween in 78. It changes everything we possibly know about slasher films. And all but, you know, helps kickstart what would you know, go on with, you know, The Burning and Friday the 13th and My Bloody Valentine in the early, in the, you know, 80, 81, when all these slasher films start coming on. Uh, Halloween kind of set up a nice format. Uh, John Carpenter's idea of a masked killer going around, and, and we had seen some masked killers before, but not as, this laid the blueprint for the slasher, the original Halloween, did it not? Oh, 100%, and and it definitely changed the landscape. Um, I know you, you know, you named a few movies just, uh, you know, off the, t- literally like that immediately uh, had followed this movie, the original Halloween, but I, I would, I would agree with that. It, it definitely changed the way I think people thought of horror, like the genre itself, right? You, you, you go back and watch some of the classics, right? You watch like a devil's reign or, uh, or, or even, even the exorcist, right? You know, that preceded all of this and this totally changed, I think what scared people, right? Because at the end of the day, we're human. We love being scared. This was a whole other element to that, right? The, the shape, the shadow, the fucking, the, this, this specter, right? Somebody lurking. It, it just completely changed. I think what scared the shit out of people. Oh, Without a doubt. So, you know, and then they do a sequel. They do a sequel three years later, and uh, it that shared uh, a similar success, uh, not to the heights because the budget was lower on the first, but at that point, they're be- they're, the idea to spin it off and get away from the Myers character happens. So to turn it into, like, an anthology series, but movie by movie, not cram short stories into one film but to do it in different movies. Every year, have it be a Halloween movie with a different angle, a different set of uh, antagonist, uh, be it solo or fucking Celtic druids fucking jerking off to Particles of Stonehenge with fucking... uh, Fucking... (laughs) The androids and these fucking masks. And it sounds like if you try to explain this movie to people... You know, this movie, and then Halloween Halloween 3 comes out in 1982, October of 1982. Just this past Thursday, we celebrated the 38th anniversary of this film. And we had our part one uh, of Legacy Week. Now we are part two. So we're going to get, we're, we're, we're jumping right in. So initially, you know, it, it is, it, and we explained this on, on part one, you know, the basis of the film. If you try to explain this to, you know, someone with fucking two eyes and nose and mouth, two ears, it fucking spins their head around like fucking Beetlejuice. So it's, it's really difficult to try to explain. But if you just watch the film 
and you try to, the whole thing is cover up on your fucking format of choice, or if you're just streaming it, just pretend it just says Season of the Witch. Pretend it does not say Halloween 3. Then all your preconceived notions of it being a Halloween film, I mean, now it's easier to do because people can go back and they're not, they they know that Halloween 3 is the the offshoot, the spinoff. It doesn't involve Michael Myers other than paying homage and having the Halloween film played on a TV in the, in this film. So I think the idea of spinning it off that way was great, but they should have done it after the first one. I think this idea would have worked if had they done it after the first one, but you give people two doses of Michael Myers with two legendary films, because the second Halloween is one of the best horror sequels out there. So you give them two straight films of Michael Myers, and then you try to pass the Halloween name off again without Michael Myers. That is where the 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 anger, the you, you feel duped, you're pissed off. I don't think that in doing this, I don't think that they had properly calculated how massive the the presence uh both figuratively physically metaphorically sonically michael myers was going to have on horror cinema well yeah i mean there was definitely blowback right so you know i did i did do a little research prep whatever and i was very interested to find that like you know this was what the second lowest grossing halloween film uh of the franchise which is interesting to me because it still shows me that word of mouth traveled fucking fast, right? You right. have the first one, you have the second one, as you said, one of the best fucking horror fucking sequels in <laughs> cinema history, right? So by the time you get to three, that means that people were duped and they flipped the fuck out and they told people and people didn't go because I don't know about you. I wasn't fucking alive in 1982, but at that point, if I had seen the first two and I loved them, if I see that John Carpenter, Deborah Hill, Halloween three season, the witch, it's like, you bet your fucking dick. I'm going, Exactly. But I, I, I would, I still obviously would have loved the movie, but to have that be the second lowest to me, that speaks. Okay. People talked and people were pissed. There was right. a fallout based on fucking the lack of Michael Myers. And I, I don't know. I, I still think even as a John Carpenter film, uh, despite, obviously we both love the movie, but I don't know, like, it's still a fucking great movie, just poorly branded, poorly executed on on, on, the, on the naming and, and all that shit. I mean, you're right. I think if you, if you remove the, the, the franchise tag, it is a John Carpenter movie. Season of the Witch is a John Carpenter film, right? It, it, the, from sonically, visually, the way in which it's shot, it's, it's fucking brilliant, but people were fucking pissed, clearly were pissed off. So that that's what I think people i think if people knew and understood more that it it had so much carpenter in it albeit you know written and directed by tommy lee wallace it Mm he you know carpenters i mean he did the score which i talked with greg from neon brainiacs in part one about how great the score is for this film it might be some of carpenter's best work and you know he ends up contributing to this this third film which is a spinoff it doesn't involve Michael Myers, and it's it does have a it feels more of a Carpenter film. Obviously, it feels more of a Carpenter film than Tommy Lee Wallace. It's one of Tommy Lee Wallace's first productions, but you know Tommy Lee Wallace was so 
tight with Carpenter. He 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 worked uh, with Carpenter uh, on almost all of his films from Halloween on. Um, you you know, in different in varying capacities, but it does re like if you told someone like this is a John Carpenter film and you didn't know that Tommy Lee Wallace wrote and directed it, it stinks of Carpenter to high heaven in a good way. But at the same time, it's it's written by Tommy Lee Wallace. Tommy Lee Wallace really like it's it's really interesting that you know this film gets written and made. In 1982, because I feel like it still to this day is ahead of its time. I feel like if this movie came out as called Season of the Witch in 1985, maybe people still wouldn't get it. But then again, we'll never know because it has that Halloween branding on it. Would this movie have went over and would people revere this movie like they revere some of the, the more like... It, this is like a. I feel like it. it it's very similar to a They Live in to- oh, in tone. Hundred percent. That and and that's that's one of the things. So I had showed this. I, I wanted Hannah to see this. Um, actually, it was it was so weird that you would text me because I had attempted to show her the movie like literally the day before you text me no shit it was so fucking it was fucking weird but i wanted i wanted her to see the movie right we watch uh, not unlike yourself we watch fucking horror movies all year right but there's something special about the month of october not only because of our wedding and and all the other shit that's going on but like we just we love fall right we're fall people okay so i wanted i wanted to show her the movie she fell asleep (laughs) and she woke up she goes what what happened and I'm like, I'm like, well, I want to, I want you to see the ending. But at the top of the episode, you were talking about like, it's this bizarre mixture of, of druids jacking off to somehow they hijacked a piece of Stonehenge and, and blah, blah, blah. But I think this is definitely a, they live light, but I, I don't know. Like it, it literally is the, the complete package, right? It's, it, it's a, it's a corporation, but they're not a corporation. They're, they're in some way like these, uh, occultist fucking like ancient magicians that are attempting to to execute a, a mass sacrifice to to the gods if you will or, or whatever but it's also it ties in the whole planetary thing right like the planets have been aligned in three thousand years like it it's fucking perfect it, it includes everything cyborgs you know this, this <laughs> like evil corporation like it's it's literally everything that that makes like what I love in a horror movie like perfect, and you are a hundred percent right. Like it definitely stinks of like they live like, uh, and that's what that's basically how I'd explained it to Anna when she woke up, uh, open mouth sleeping on the couch after this movie got done, like credits roll, and you know I'm just like yeah, it's it's basically they live, but it's also all these other things like fucking awesome, awesome. I'm glad you brought that up too about they live because that's that as soon as they introduced those elements in the movie that's all you think about you know like realistically that's what it is and i wonder if carpenter took a little influence from this after watching it i mean Mm -hmm. i mean i don't really think i've heard him explain how he feels about halloween 3 um i feel like he would like this better than the other incarnations of michael myers throughout the series but 
Um, you got to think that maybe there was some influence there. I don't know if he would admit it or not. Maybe, maybe he would, and, and maybe it was subconscious after he watched it that he, you know, came up with They Live, and, and maybe there's something in there. Um, but again, ahead of its, ahead of its time, it, it, as was um, They Live still, I think, is, uh, is I mean, I, I mean, it almost sounds like I'm... F- I don't know. It, me telling people like, "Oh, they live" is just as relevant now as it was ever. Bullet. It makes me. It makes me sound like the people are the that are like, "You better vote." Like they're oh, the same. Yeah. I get yep. the same fucking. It's the same like thing. So I don't try not to be like, "Well, they live is still fucking." They're still trying to do that, man. <laughs> they're still trying. Uh, it's the same assholes that are like, "Vote. You better vote." Uh, last time I checked, this is a fucking America, and you don't have to vote. If you don't believe in either part, well, you got to vote for one because he's better than the other and blah, 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 blah. No, I don't. And you know what? There's no one that can fucking force me to vote. And I mean, I don't know. I'm getting into a big tangent on this. I'm just trying to watch horror movies in October. (laughs) And I got motherfuckers telling me every time I turn around to fucking vote. Oh, man. No, motherfucker. I'll vote that fucking Halloween 3 needs more respect. I'll fucking put that on the fucking ballot. Do you want me to vote for the fucking Silver Shamrock novelties to fucking... (laughs) For the fucking androids to be in charge? I'll fucking do that. I'd rather have fucking kids' faces being chewed off and fucking uh, under masks. Uh, dude, how about so? How about that fucking commercial like theme song? How unsettling is that? Like, it's I, weird. I, it's weird, but like, so you know what weird. I mean? It just. Oh, it's so uncomfortable. And like, I, I I specifically was waiting for it to come on screen because it literally happens in the first two minutes of the movie, right? Or three, whatever, three right. minutes of the movie. And and as soon as that started, I looked over at Hannah and she's like, oh. And then I was just like, because I was, I knew it was coming, right? And and it's so the the first, it's it's a theme, it's a theme or a commercial, whatever you want, however you want to phrase it. But it's based around those two notes. Like, and it's so unsettling, very unsettling. I, and it definitely, they definitely went for like the, the hypnotizing, like, mm-hmm. it, it, you know, it, it has that fucking, it, it, it is, it, it's unsettling, but it's just like, and then you have like the, the fucking jingle is just like creepy and I always thought it was just so interesting that they 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 did with the Celtic angle too. It mm-hmm. is so like interesting, you know the the ancient you know uh, how Halloween fucking tradition and you know the Samhain. Yeah. Uh, mixing that in with all of it too, it is just like it's like it, it truly is. It's like when you just fucking pour a bunch of shit into you make it. You're making a meal. And you just fucking pour a bunch of shit in, and you're like, man, this is fucking good. And you only a few people are like, wow, this is fucking good. This meal is actually fucking good. What'd you do? I just kind of threw everything but the fucking <laughs> kitchen sink in it, and it just kind of fucking works. Granted, not everyone's going to want to dip their fucking finger in the weird fucking, uh, you know, fruit fucking salad that's getting fed fucking Edward Scissorhands. Uh <laughs> Uh, also, do you want to, you, you know, you know, that is exactly what the fucking Silver Shamrock novelties jingle reminds me of when it's going, it's, it makes me feel the same uncomfortable and weirdness when they're shovel, shoving like the weird fucking like <laughs> tricolored fucking, uh, you know, fruit salad with the fucking colored marshmallows into fucking Edward Scissorhands oh mouth. My God. <laughs> I feel that uncomfortable. <laughs> well, and, and, and that's, I, I think, 
Uh, arguably, and I would fucking I, I hate I hate the fucking phrase, but like I would literally die on the on the fucking hill defending the fact that like I would I would argue that the reveal the two reveals right the two reveals at, the, at towards the end of this movie the climax of this movie the fucking come shot of this movie right I would argue that the, those are some of the the most powerful and rewarding fucking reveals in a horror movie to to fucking date right when you actually get like you know because obviously Tom, Tommy Atkins is fucking strapped up in the chair he's about to be left alone with the fucking mask on he's like so why did you do it right so after you under, you, you see the whole thing like oh fuck these are these are cyborgs but also you have fucking Packer there from Twin Peaks actually explaining like oh this is why I'm doing it I would that's the payoff you, everything up to that move, up to that point in the film is fucking fantastic. The soundtrack's great. The fucking creepy ass commercial. But you then, and by the way, a fucking Mick selling Halloween masks and toys. <laughs> like I got the whole thing where it's like, oh, I, I, I love me a good joke. You know, like he's a fucking whatever practical joker, and he employed all the people in this town besides the fucking drunkard that's hassling Tom Atkins for a fucking drink in the alleyway. Creepily, by the way. Oh, that bottle looks heavy. Like. What the fuck? What what kind of lead in is that? Why don't you just ask the guy for a dollar and get the fuck out of there? But I I would say that that the payoff the 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 payoff of the movie that reveal fucking perfect right. perfect be- because it ties in the ancient element to it right. There's a reason for it, and as opposed to some of the other shit that you see in horror movies where it's just senseless, right? I, I think that that is brilliant. The reveal is fucking. Perfect. I wouldn't change that shit for the goddamn world. It's excellent. It, 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 it's it's brilliant filmmaking. And uh, back to the jingle real quick. You, you know, oh I, yeah, so, sorry about that. I fucking no no no, no no no. I just tangents. no. I just I had this in my notes and I completely forgot to bring it up both on the last episode and so far in this one. And I completely combed over it. It's that fuck that. Apparently, it's the fucking London Bridges fucking song because it was public domain. They used it. Oh no shit! That actually makes sense, and it's even creepier. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Again, it, you know, it, catering to the mix with the London Bridges. Um, <laughs> wait, is is Mick a slur? Is Mick a slur? I think it. I think it is, and I, I better preface this because I'm sure that people are like, "Wow, you, you, whatever." I don't give a shit. I'm not saying it in a fucking negative light. I'm just saying it's a goddamn <laughs> joke. Plus, there's a fucking there's a television show that fucking Deandra from It's Always Sunny spin off on, literally called The Mick. So yeah, I don't want to fucking hear it. All right. A fall, but anyway, Fall Out Boy I, also. I, I mean, come on, Fall Out Boy has a song named after the fucking line in. Uh, <laughs> In Rushmore, you know, tell that Mickey just made the, my list of things to do today. But regard, <laughs> neither, neither here nor there. Uh, I, I digress. Yeah. I digress. <laughs> but oh, you, you know, this was Carpenter's idea to to turn to to turn out a new Halloween film every year. Uh, so I think once this one died on the vine, it you know, and it made its money back. It was actually. Even though it was what the second lowest grossing, as you pointed out, it made its it made money. But I mean, you got a Halloween movie of any type coming out there. But like you said, it's interesting that the word spread. I mean, it ended up making more money than it probably than people wanted it to because I mean, people were just going to check it out like in droves right, because right. the word you know fucking. Jack Van fucking Gundy didn't post on his fucking movie review Twitter <laughs> that like Halloween three missing Michael Myers and also misses the spot or something fucking stupid fucking <laughs> clickbait fucking thing. Um, 
you know, you had to fucking, you had to be in fucking, you know, if you're living in New York City, you know, in, in, in fiction, nonfiction land, whatever, you've got to run into fucking George Costanza at fucking Monks and he's got to tell you, no, don't go see it. <laughs> fucking no Michael Myers. Like, There's I mean, no Michael Myers. Yeah. <laughs> the guy is not even in the movie. <laughs> oh my God. And, you know, I, I had a lot of trouble finding any sort of interviews or references to Carpenter actually speaking to the movie, but it's very clear that he was done. He was done with the franchise. He said all that he needed to say in two films. He just wanted and to collect you, checks at that point. Right, right. And, and as you said, he was definitely collecting a check. Yes, you can use the likeness. You can use the franchise tag or whatever. But I love the idea in a similar fashion of both movies because uh, I guess in, in, in all technicality or for the most part, the lion's share of both those movies occurred – on Halloween, more, more or less Halloween night, right? So to take that that vehicle of, because that's kind of what it seemed like, right? We want to have these different weird isolated events that happen on Halloween. Even though Halloween 3, it was what, uh, two days before it started on the 28th? of halloween right or something right was i the think 28th? the first the first event happened i think what the 20 like fourth maybe or something like that okay okay regardless the week I of love, halloween right right i love the idea in in the same sense that like trick-or-treat fucking essentially you know dry fucked right that idea of there's all of these things and that's a class you know that is a halloween anthology movie without a fucking doubt right but I think that if they were to take that vehicle of, okay, here's some weird shit that happens around Halloween, they could have run with this shit for fucking forever. But like you said, they chose to follow, this was the third installment of the, the franchise in the series. People were fucking pissed, man. It's, it, it's, it's almost, it sucks because it's a, it's a missed opportunity. It, 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 I think because it, definitely seal the deal for john carpenter being like yeah i'm done yeah i already i already said what i needed to say but at this point like i'm fucking done dude yeah I'm done. so the masks the the jack-o'-lantern mask the witch mask and the skull mask uh they were made by don post who uh from don post studios which was uh well I, i'm not sure if he made them they were made at don post studios but i would assume that don post uh had his hands on o- almost everything there i know he had a couple other people working with him but uh, so Don Post, uh, legendary uh, Halloween mask maker, mask maker, uh, one of the most revered, uh, if not the most revered, uh, behind uh, you know some Ben Cooper, uh, you know the uh, Ben the Ben Cooper masks. Um, he, uh, you know, the, the masks were sold around the release of the film as as well. I would love to see if anybody has those original masks that came out mm-hmm. to promote the the film. But those three masks have stayed even though the film kind has had like a uh an unpleasant stink for most ar- around it i feel like those masks have always maintained uh and have been more popular than the film i feel like people like those masks i still obviously fans of the film are, are buying the masks or getting replicas or getting tattoos or buying merch with it and stuff but i feel like the masks more than anything was for, for people that didn't like the film or didn't enjoy the film, I feel like the masks were like a, a cooler aspect of the film or, or something, or was it like at least a saving grace where like, 
Yeah, the mask. You always hear people say that, at least people that I've talked to that weren't fans of this film. They're like, yeah, well, the masks were cool. I thought the masks were cool. But other than that, everything else was fucked. Um, and, and that's, like I said, I think that opinion is starting to, uh, you know, wane. It, that opinion is starting to wane. And, and we're, we're entering, you know, the fucking waxing gibbous on this where people are... <laughs> more and more are revealing or finding or discovering that this film is not a bad film in any stretch. It's actually a pretty brilliant film. Uh, it's just not made for people who were in, intending to get a third dose of Michael Myers. Right. And, and to add to that comment sp- specifically about the mask, because I totally agree, definitely holds up, definitely still something that you see floating around and uh, whether it's, you know, people creating T-shirts, whatever it is, with those three masks kind of present on there, just as a standalone, not even Tom Atkins, not even fucking any other element, that those three masks are still, you know, you still see them uh, as a main fo- one of the main focal points of the movie, because obviously it is. But but anyway, I also want to, to bring up, too, before we get away from it, I would almost say, too, that the, the, the movie artwork... The posters for this were fucking great. Like, I, I would, I would almost say, like, ahead of its time in that sense, right? Because as we know, the the movie posters and, and the the VHS box covers from the eighties were king, right? Especially with the horror films. That's what sold the film most of the time. Fucking so good. So when you see the, you know, the the face in the background and like the way in which the the silver like curves up, like. It's powerful, even even if like, and there's no there's no there, there's no shape, right? There's no Michael Myers, there's no uh, there's no Laurie Strode. Like, you don't see JLC anywhere on there. It's literally a silhouette of kids, right? Then the face, and then Halloween three season of the witch. Like, that's awesome. That's fucking awesome. It says nothing about the movie, <laughs> but it's fucking awesome, and it does say everything about the movie in one fucking like image, right? It's it's great. It's great. And the the cover art for the first three films, uh, be it this having nothing to do with the first two films, um, is probably the best in the franchise. I really don't think that any other uh, Halloween movie had uh, as good uh, artwork. And, and, and this artwork, I wonder how many people in the 80s, once this, they didn't know about this film or just assumed, you know, were, were young or weren't old enough to go see the film when it came out or really talk to anybody that was involved with it. Because even then, horror horror was bigger, I think, then. The kind of horror that was coming out was bigger then than it is now. But it was still, you know, niche. It was still, mm-hmm. you know, it was still like listening to Metallica, you know. It, you know, right. and it's not like listening to Metallica now, like, you know, fucking... Uh, you know, every fucking nerd in the world listens to Metallica now, but, you know, in, in 1982, 1983, 1984, 1985, listening to Metallica was still, you know, it was, uh, you were on the outskirts of uh, societal music listening, and, you know, you know, just like, you know, in filmdom, you know, in filmland, you, if you were fucking going in the, into a sight and sound in fucking Canastota in 19... 19- whatever, 88, 89, and you pick up fucking Halloween 3, you know, I, I wonder how many people picked this up and enjoyed it, the fact that it did not involve Michael Myers. And, and I, but 
that's why I just don't get, like, if if I, I mean, it's the same thing with Friday the 13th Part 5, where Jason was not the the, the killer and had nothing to do, he wasn't in the, the character of Tommy Jarvis was there from the prior film, grown up in a mental, in a fucking, in a, in a loony campsite where they had a loony bin on a campground, brilliant. Uh, How wild is that shit, by the way? How wild is that? And that film, and I made this comparison on the the last uh, episode of this Legacy Week, where I said that film has everything that you want in a Friday the 13th slasher film. Most nudity, the most brutal Mm -hmm. kills, uh, recognizable faces from the genre with Miguel Nunez and, and, and Mark... Uh, Mark Venturini, who was the, both those guys were in um, uh, Return of the Living Dead of the same year, um, and you know you get like you get everything that you want in that movie, but when it's revealed that Jason's not in it, you're fucking it's the fucking worst in the franchise and blah 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 blah, and they kind of did the same thing with this, but it has you know a brutalness to it, it has a whole Halloween aspect to it. Uh, it was intriguing. It had Tom Atkins, who's coming off, you know, the fog and creep show of the same year. Hell yeah. And it has everything that you could possibly want if you're a horror fan, but then you find out, okay, it has nothing to do with Michael Myers. Oh, it's the fucking worst in the franchise and blah, 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 blah. So it kind of suffered the same fate that Friday the 13th Part 5 and New Beginnings suffered three years later. And it's actually interesting, and that's brilliant, uh, you know, with Friday the 13th Part 5, where it is, you know, the ambulance driver who is a copycat murderer because his, you know, uh, biological son was in this fucking loony bin and gets killed. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's brilliant. It's ahead of its time. And I'm honestly shocked. I think they thought they had a better chance at, at that working than Halloween 3 did. Or maybe they just didn't even think about Halloween 3 wasn't even on the radar for the the writers of that film. But to think that it, you know, it suffered the same fate that Halloween 3 did, and people are now going back and appreciating those films, um, it's real interesting. And I wonder, I don't think, I think studios, I mean, th- they were horror films, so... And I feel like any bigger horror film that's going to get a wide release now, unfortunately, the days of like monster films and like cool, like sci-fi, weird, fucking twisted, uh, fucking many layers of a film like Halloween 3, you're not going to get those films in released in theaters now. Uh, I mean, granted, who knows what the, the, the future of movie theaters is anyway right now with this yeah, fucking right. pandemic, but on top, like... Studios just play it so safe. They would never fucking if they had a hit on their hands. Like, can you can you imagine if they just did like because they're doing these new Halloween movies? They never would, but you know they just did Halloween 2018. Uh, you know they're doing Halloween Kills and then Halloween Ends to cap off, I guess you know the 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 franchise and call it an end. But can you imagine if they released like another one right after that and called it <laughs> Halloween? Just had nothing to do with. They just did the same fucking thing. I feel like it would, it would, they would never take that chance now. So the, and, and they, they took it back then. I feel like movie making and especially horror movies, you're still at the, 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 you're still inside the nucleus of a just formed 80s horror, uh, you know, beginning 
so those those risks were or were more you're more likely or more able to take those risks then you would never see those risks now and i don't think you would have really seen them in the 90s or the 2000s either oh absolutely not and 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 i think that 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 genre in and of itself 80s horror that encompasses so much but it's such a simple statement right because as soon as you say that to somebody they know exactly what you're talking about, right? Because like it defined a fucking, it, it defined a genre, but also I would, I would almost argue a, an, an entire decade worth of filmmaking because there's, I, I feel like there's more commonalities between movies, horror films in the eighties than I, I would say on either side of that. Right. Because, you know, you, you see an indulgence in, uh, you know, in, in nudity and, and gore and, and fucking the soundtrack and the album or the album art, yeah, the fucking like the artwork, right? There's so much more that I think it has in common um, than you did in the 70s, where it was a little bit more of a production. It was theatrical in the 90s, where all right, towards the latter end of the decade, you're you're leaning in a little bit more heavily into technology, right? I just I I love I love everything that that had to offer. And I, I don't know. I think I think you're right. Nowadays, knowing what you know as far as filmmaking and, and how people kind of consume media, um, as soon as Halloween ends ends or that's released, there's no fucking way in hell that anyone's going to attempt to do anything. Even some two bit fucking like college wannabe fucking director isn't going to go out of his way with his goddamn, you know, grandfather's will money to, to buy the rights to fucking put something out there. I, I don't know. I, I think it was, it was almost the wild west at that point, right? You said oh, the nucleus, the nucleus of, of the, of the genre. There was, people could take chances. People could fucking fuck up, which obviously they did in many ways, but it was still new. It was still this kind of weird fucking set of pants that you haven't broken in yet, right? Um, before we get away from it, I want to talk about a really critical part of this movie. I think that, and this is just me fucking observing, I don't think I've seen anyone suck a nipple in a movie the way Tom Atkins does because literally that sex scene, <laughs> like he's literally sucking a tit. Like, <laughs> short of Chloe Sevigny blowing a guy on film, like, I don't think, I don't think I've ever seen that before. Like, he, he sucked her boob uh, in the movie. It was great, dude. Awesome, awesome sex scene. Never seen it portrayed that way. And it could be wrong. There could be other fucking weird examples that they could throw out. But powerful, powerful. You got the fucking, like, you got, like, you know, Mark Knopfler guitar work in the background. <laughs> it's, like, so great, dude. It's fucking fantastic. You know, it... But it Atkins is like such a, a fun loving guy who loves and respects this genre so much. I if if he ever does a convention again or is able to, uh I gotta ask him about that. Just because I know he'd have a funny anecdote about it. Like I, I, I talked about on the last episode how uh how the, the two encounters I had with uh Tom Atkins, he was just like the fucking coolest dude in the world and uh not to mention that that Bridget was trying to walk by his table and just did was over the day and he smacks her on the arm and goes, "Hey, cheer up." <laughs> That's fucking hilarious. <laughs> oh my god. So he is I, I I know you've shared with me in the past like separately. You had said that he is a very down-to-earth, grounded, normal dude and he's very appreciative i think that was one of the things you said he's very appreciative like he'll take the time it's not just walk up 
Sean Aston style fucking here's the autograph here take you know where's your 50 bucks or whatever like he he's genuine right he listens to you and I I don't know man I I think that's few and far between nowadays as far as and, and I, look I had I haven't been to conventions you have I'm I'm nearly basing my experience with that level of appreciation when it comes I I liken that to musicians right like I've right. met a ton of rando like artists and stuff and I kind of like it in that regard where horror movies to the cinema community at large are like to punk rock and rock and roll to the music community. I've had so many run-ins obviously with you, with, with Richie, super appreciative, humble guy, Joe queer from the queers, talk to him in Syracuse, fucking down to earth, just normal dude. Fucking, I met Chris shark, shark from crystal castles, their drummer fucking, uh, contravoid, like I've had multiple conversations with these. It, they're just normal people, right? At the end of the day, and they're pre- they're genuinely appreciative. So I know that was a shitty analogy, but anyway, I uh, that's really cool to hear that uh, Tom Atkins not only uh, slapped Bridget on the arm and told her to fucking put a smile on that face because that's hilarious. But um, wh- what did you ask him? What, what were some of the conversations you or those two conversations that you had with him? Did you Dude, ask any questions? It, no, it it wasn't. It never even had to get to that level because he just talked to us on a normal uh, plane, you know. Uh, and I and I. I talked about this uh, on the the first episode, but to give you a brief overview, he just immediately saw us, like, kind of just, like, roaming around, and he immediately engaged. Like, we weren't even, like, and I know a lot of people, there are some people, like, I know Ted Ramey, and I'll call people out, because I don't give a fuck. I just run a fucking little horror (laughs) podcast, music and music podcast. Like, I don't give a fuck. Like, I don't, like... I don't, I could give a fuck about anybody's feelings and, and I'll call literally anyone out and I don't give a fuck. But Ted Ramey was sitting at a fucking, uh, table and like, he was overcharging. The dude was overcharging. Like Ted Ramey, like, I'm sorry. Yes. Your brother, Sam, but have you done anything where I need to give you fucking like $50 for your fucking autograph? Like, I don't know. But like, he just seemed like. Uh, like my buddy was meeting Amy Steele who was in Friday the 13th part two and she was in April fool's day. My buddy was meeting her and he just kind of like got in the conversation and just like, it just seems like, I mean, to, to a normal person, maybe I'm just a fuck. I mean, maybe I'm just like, kind of, I see the worst in people. I, I, I 100% do. Uh, but (laughs) (laughs) he just, it seemed like he was just trying to work his own like angle and like, just like kind of get someone to just buy his stuff. Like, which I mean, to a degree, you kind of got to do that. Like if you're trying to make some money, but like, I, I don't know, like, he he wasn't trying to Tom Atkins literally was just like, How are we doing, boys? Like we we literally just he's just like we having a good we're gonna have a good weekend this weekend, I can feel it. Uh and we're just like, Oh my god, fucking Tom. We're like, What's up, Tom? Like, cause we all had intentions of meeting him, because we're all huge fans, like fucking creep show, Halloween three, night of the fucking creeps, uh the five it's everything. Tom Atkins is literally a living genre legend. Um yeah. And, and the guy's a fucking trained stage actor, and he fucking, you know, he never ran off and fucking tried to, like, live Hollywood and be, like, the Hollywood actor. The dude stayed grounded. He stayed in Pittsburgh, um, and I always liked that about him, but he was just a down... Dude, it never even got to, like, uh, 
Like, oh, you know, how many fucking cigarettes did you smoke on Night of the Creeps? Like, it never, it never got to like, and I try not to ever fucking punish people like that at all. Right. Um, right. I mean, I'll ask questions, just like, but I'll make sure it's like, it's an actual question I have, not like, what was it like, you know, doing with Jamie Lee Curtis on the fog? Is it cool? Like. Like, it's just, you know, he's heard that fucking a million times. So I don't even think any of us really had any questions or anything like that for him. We just, he immediately just had a human interaction with us. Where'd you guys drive? New York? Oh, wow. He's just like, oh, that's quite a drive. You're coming all the way out here. You better live it up. You better party. It's going to be great. He's just like, we got, everyone's here. It's going to be, you know, it's already great. He's like, been here 25 minutes. It's already great. Sorry, we can end today. And right now, it's already been great. Uh, and just like, and I was saying this, obviously, because I am a, I am a, I am an edgeman. I, I don't drink, but it was so great. He's like, yeah, you guys, I know, you know, you got to, tonight's the night. You know, you go out, you grab your Miller, and it's going to be, uh, it's going to be great is what it's going to be. And uh, I know you guys are going to have a lot of, it's already fun, right? We're already having fun. And he's just doing, like, a little strut around the table to, like, with his arms, like, doing the, like, BG's fucking hands, like, spinning around, like, when he's coming around the table and he's just fucking, he was just the man. He was, he was how you'd want someone to be, like, like, listen, if someone, he, I mean, he was charging, like, $20, too, like, it's just nothing, Holy like. Holy shit, that's nothing, and based on what you've told me with well, some of these Well, yeah, these, uh, people. yeah, these prices have definitely went up, um. For sure, but he would just had normal conversations with us. But you could tell that, like, those are people that, like, truly are just like you can tell that. And I won't say blessed to to avoid sounding religious because people already think this is a religious podcast with the name anyway. (laughs) 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 Which I I hope people that are like religious uh, or just like looking looking for the fucking the Joel Steens of the world, the fucking. They're like, oh, Heart God Media. This sounds... Are they, like, spinning, like, media stories in, in like, the name of Christ or something? And I'm it, it just like, I'll fucking call out anyone! She was... Atkins was sucking on her tit. It was fucking cinematic glee. Holy uh, shit. Uh, but re- regardless, yeah, it was just... Uh, there's an, uh, you know, th- those prices were uh, much better then. But re- regardless, uh, you know, I love when people, because you know, if someone walks up to Atkins and was just like, I fucking love Halloween 3. He knows that it's not everyone's cup of tea. It's not even a lot of people's cup of tea. But when, you know, when you could tell when he hears that, he the guy is just like super thankful. Uh, he's done, you know, and the, the guy is fucking in his 80s. He goes back and, you know, it's just. Uh, I mean, I mean uh, the casting for him in this film was perfect. I'm not sure, and I know people try to make arguments, but I'm not sure anyone else could have. I don't. I wouldn't want to to have seen anyone else but Tom Atkins play the role of Doctor Chalice in this. Oh yeah, dude, alcoholic doctor, like fantastic fucking. Uh, you could almost call him like an amateur sleuth, <laughs> in a sense, like. Yeah, why is he turned into a fucking like he just turns into a, like a private detective like out of nowhere like <laughs> private dick and that's the thing like i i love that he's so concerned and he doesn't give a shit i mean 
ultimately he gives a shit about his kids, right? That closing sequence at the very end, which how the movie resolves also, it ends so uncertain, but that's so great. It's like, oh, fuck, kids did die. That's fucked up, right? But you almost one could argue like that guy fucking basically flipped off his wife and his and his two kids and was like i'm fucking out of here i'm banging this bitch in some weird ass motel you know like in this in this irish run and owned town <laughs> like it, it's just fucking it's it's awesome I, I i agree though i i don't think especially at that time like who really could have done justice to that that uh, that role, right? Maybe a Harrison Ford, who's not even that. I mean, he's a great actor in his own right, but I don't think I don't he he would have never. I don't think he would have. You know, it, he wouldn't he, even have looked at this twice. Right. He, exactly. would, he wouldn't have considered it at that point. Fucking Return of the Jedi was just around the bend, right? You had the success of of both the first two or whatever the episode seven and eight of Star Wars, like seventy seven, uh, seventy nine, like. He wouldn't have given that any sort of thought. So I don't know with with a with a genre, especially going back to like that idea of the '80s horror genre. It was still in its infancy. Like I don't know of anybody that would have pulled that off. And I think just based on what the the relationship that that Carpenter was kind of fostering with some of these other cast members, right? Because what Tom Atkins' ex wife was also Laurie's friend in fucking. Uh, the first Halloween, she was also in the fog. She played like the fucking aide to the politician in the fog. Like I, I don't know. There's definitely this. It, he's he's obviously one of those. Um, he's one of those you know directors, writers, producers, or however you want to ca- uh, categorize him. But he has a certain type of actor or actress that he enjoys working with, and it's very evident. So I, I don't know. I I think he did a you know even though he didn't necessarily have his hand fully in the vagina of this movie he definitely i think might have had some sort of whether it's an advisory role right like he i'm sure that um he had his hand in there somehow right um because as we said it definitely stinks of a a john carpenter movie even though it's technically not right it's a production right a deborah hill john carpenter production but as you pointed out, like he and uh, was it uh, not? It was a Sam Winston. Was it, am I getting that name correct? For what? Um, for what? For what now? The the actual uh, writer and director of this movie was it Win- Sam Winston? Uh, for Halloween three? No, it was uh, it was Tommy Lee Wallace. Tommy Tommy Lee Wallace. Sorry about that. Of uh, um, of Fright Night two fame of the original It mini series. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know he's a. Uh, and Tommy Lee Wallace, in his in his own right, has done uh, is like, but he was involved with the first. He was uncredited as uh, one of the Michael Myers like uh, scenes in uh, Halloween. He was uh, he played a ghost in the fog. Uh, you know, he was a, an art director on Assault and Precinct Thirteen in seventy six. Oh uh, shit! Yeah, he had directed. Uh, the uh, he directed the uh, Vampires Los Muertos with fucking John Bon Jovi, the sequel to Vampires. So obviously, and, and Carpenter doing the first Vampires, obviously in '98 with James Woods. So he he's a tight he has a tight relationship with uh, with Carpenter and the Carpenter um, you know film world. Uh, so Tommy Lee Wallace is you know if it was been, has been heavily involved with the with the genre. Uh, is specifically with John Carpenter films uh, as well, but so 
and and this is you know I I said this and I'm gonna, I'm going to bring it up because I want I want to hear what your thoughts are on it. So they ask him, they ask Tommy Lee Wallace, you know, what is the, you, can you explain this? Like, what is the, like, what is the, the explanation for the potion when you have, you know, the, the Celtic angle with androids and laser beams and, you know, the fucking, the witchery and you know the fucking everything like when you try to throw it all together like what in stonehenge and all of it like what's the like and he just says it's magic man like and i like that he doesn't explain it because i don't i know there's people that are like i need a definite answer what the fuck this was about and i like when people don't they let you interpret it don't allow don't allow the viewer to make you tell them what your vision is. Cause ultimately I think people in film and that with this film is a perfect and prime example of that. I feel like so many people are like, you know, get, I'll explain it. Does it have to be explained? Isn't it better if you explain it to yourself or you try to, that is the, like the glory of like music. I, I never understood that. I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's like music I listen to, especially at a younger age and growing up and finding songs. I was just like, what the fuck is like that song about? Like, I would love to hear what that song is about, but it then limits it. It's then mm-hmm. bound. It's then bounded and painted into a corner it is then the fucking Alaskan fucking snow monkey and creep show. It's in the crate and you can't fucking, there's no going outside it. Um, you know, you can't, it's limited. It's interpretation. You are, it's interpreted by someone else and that you'll never be able to get away from that. It's harder to write your own conclusions and see it from different lenses too. what the film is actually about. Like, why are the tie-ins? I think it's much more interesting to write your own interpretation because it always stays open. I feel like that's the great thing about Donnie Darko. And I love that Richard Kelly has refused and I don't even know if he's outright refused, but decided not to ever try to say like definitively, this is what happens in Donnie Darko. Uh, you know, these are the series of events. This is this was real. This was back in time. This was an alternative universe. He doesn't ever try to lay it out because that is the the glory of that movie and the glory of this movie too. Is you can go back and your ideas and what it's about changes with each viewing, and that that opens it. That keeps it open forever. Well, and, and I I really like that you brought up uh, a film specifically Donnie Darko because. The one thing I've noticed is when you keep it so close to the vest, when you keep any sort of explanation or, or whatever it is, it'll, it almost spawns this, like these, these tight knit pockets of, of people and these groups and these ideas and think tanks almost where it's like, Oh, the, I think it's about this. And it, it kind of, the lore is preserved. And he said it perfectly. It's magic, man. Like, it doesn't need it. And and with Donnie Darko in particular, that is a movie that I know for a fact that there's fucking message boards and fucking explanation videos and everyone's got a theory on it. And that's the beauty of it. That's what makes me watch this movie. Con- you know, I watch that movie every fucking year. Like I, Donnie Darko is a great fucking movie because you, you have an idea of what it could be about, but you don't actually know. Right. There, there's 
there's a resolve, but there's still so many other questions that it's like, can I get a copy of that book that Roberta Sparrow wrote? Like, does it exist? Like, it's just, this is also a movie I think that falls within that same realm of, and I still have questions about it, right? I yeah, still me have, too. My, my biggest lingering thing at the end of this movie is, what the fuck actually happened to fucking uh, Packard there? Fucking homeboy, uh, the actual Nick... Uh, proprietor of this of this company when he's in the middle of the the Stonehenge stone and the actual sacrificial circle that's then created when he turns into fucking uh, static basically and absorbs into the ether is he ascending like what what happens to him right right? and and I'm never going to get the fucking answer but that's also part of the whole thing where it's like that is that some weird element to the actual ritual itself is that the 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 payload of of what the other aspect of the sacrifice is supposed to entail this this ascension is this a druidic thing that i'm never gonna get like it just preserves the 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 lore the fucking the mythos behind this film right and that's the beauty of it i think they accomplished what they set out to do right i think maybe even Maybe it would have even with with the the hurdles it had to overcome not having having the Halloween name on it and not having its its main uh its main uh you know torchbearer for the franchise in it with Michael Myers the you know it's Halloween's um if it had a definitive ending and explained stuff more maybe that also irked people as well as not having Michael Myers on it is that it was so all over the place. And there are people that are like, Oh, I hate Donnie Darko. I don't fucking understand it. So if you don't understand it, you don't like it. I mean, that goes with everything in the entire universe. Like, I mean, since the beginning of time, you know, if you don't understand something, you dislike it. You're taught to either fear it, dislike it, or just want to dismantle it. So I think that plays into it too, is not having definitive answers on what the tie-ins all are. So on top of battling the hurdle of, there's no fucking Michael Myers in this, this is supposed to be a continuation of the Halloween franchise, is into to their marketing flaw, to a marketing flaw of this film is they didn't say like when they're doing the trailers and stuff, like a new tale. Like we've de- you know you've dealt with Michael Myers, but now a new tale is upon you, or something like that. I think that might have mitigated some of it, but I think it still would have received similar uh, backlash because it doesn't have definitive answers. Oh yeah, and 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 that sucks. I mean, you said it. You, you just said it perfectly. Where it's like shit that we don't understand or we can't comprehend. If there's no answer, it almost creates like an aversion. Right. People are like, well, fuck this. I don't get it. Exactly. I don't get it. Exactly. But, but, but that also that's also one of the beauties of this film is that it's not so uh, I, I hate using the term, but it's like it's not so artsy. Right. It's not so uh, it's like beyond the black rainbow. Right. Like that's I would almost categorize that as like not an art house film, but it's very visual. It's very auditory. It's very there's you get it right you kind of you kind of walk away with like okay i guess this makes sense right they're 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 conducting these tests on people and it's kind of deals with like drug use and whatever but but anyway um i i almost think that like 
I'm glad in a sense that there wasn't, it wasn't so simple because as, as I said, like it, it preserves this kind of weirdness where it's like, oh, I need to go back and watch it again. Cause I think when you, when you know the ending or when you fully grasp and fully understand, unlike you and I we're fucking freaks. So it's like, I'll watch the same movie fucking a million times and be fine with it. Right. I'll always right. find weird things and I'll laugh about shit in the background, whatever. But like, I can be entertained by that, but most people, uh, the the public at large, if you will, you said it right. Like they need to know what it's about for them to like it, for right. them to fucking go and then buy it on VHS to own it, and then buy the the DVD and buy the Blu-ray, fucking whatever, steel box. Like they need to know what it's about, and I, I don't know. A part of me wonders, not that because it was, it's clear that this was a a marketing flaw. But I, I think writing and the execution, despite the name, I think, like I said, they set out to they accomplish what they set out to do, right? Keep people guessing. And if you're going to sit down in a, in a fucking press conference or whatever, an interview with Time Magazine or whoever the fuck it is, and literally have the balls to say it's magic, and that's it, fuck yeah, dude, awesome, exactly, awesome, in. In uh, you know summation of of all this and celebrating this film, I think I think it has a, a level of fandom that is slowly growing. Uh, more people are appreciating it, and it's it, it was easier to find people that have not only seen this film but enjoy it. Uh, upon announcing this, um, and I, I wanted to reach out to you uh, immediately because I, I know we have similar interests and similar takes, but I'm always interested to know because, it, you know, it would have been interesting to hear if you if you hated this film, but it's, I mean, that is the, the overwhelming, like, thing. Like, ah, that's not, no, fuck Halloween 3. So it's so much more interesting to hear people explain why they do like this film and why they do think it works because I feel like with many things that people dislike or something like that, it's harder for them to explain. They'll give vague points, but they won't dive into why they dislike it. Whereas because we like this film or, or dare I say, love this film as we do, it's, it's because we can break down why we like it better than people that it can break down why they do not like it. Our points aren't vague. Our points are are, are detailed, uh, and that's what we're, we're, we're people are going to get with this Legacy Week. And and I hope that you know people that enjoy this film listen to this and they they take something new out of it. But more important than that, I hope people that have disliked this film or wrote this film off or never watched it because they knew. Uh, that it was the the black sheep of the franchise. I hope people, you know, even if it's one person listens to this, there's a fan of, of you know my fucking foolish ass babbling uh, incoherently on this podcast. I hope that even one person checks it out and was just like, oh, I get it now. I like this film. It's not, you know, a cut and dry film. Uh, you know, horror film from the '80s, and that's what a lot of horror films in the 80s uh you know a lot did did right in their great films and a lot did did wrong and suffered from it is trying to adhere to uh certain elements that make a horror film in the 80s work 
So this one, I feel like that's what's confusing about this one is I feel like they did everything to incorporate elements that would make a movie in the a horror movie in the eighties work, but it just didn't connect. And now all these years later, the slow build of making it connect is happening, and it's uh, it's great to see. Oh, oh yeah, and and I think there is because obviously there's a very interesting resurgence, renaissance, rediscovery, if you will, of that decade at large. And I think it's, dude, even a good example, like um, not to fucking plug my fucking self, you know, cause whatever. But anyway, like I, I had a conversation with guitarists from uh, the car bomb parade. Uh, shout out to the fucking those guys. Awesome. New York city, hardcore punk band. Check that shit out. I, I, had a con- I was talking with him um, and I asked him, I'm like, okay, you named yourself Will E. Ramon. What's your favorite era of the Ramones? And he goes, I like the mid-80s shit. I'm like, are you fucking dicking me right now? That You and I know that's an extremely polarizing subject. Right? 100%. But, he's, he, but, but he, he's like, it gets written off. Most people fucking like it because, you know, Tommy came in and created the sound. Marky fucking then, you know, played for the longest amount of time. But, you know, it, there's it, that era deserves credence, right? Like, so... I, I don't know. I think it's it's cool to see, as you had said, eh, the pieces kind of coming together. People giving it a second glance, even if even if people are like, "Fuck that!" It's not part of the franchise. Whatever. I, I feel like if you get past the name, and if you if you literally cling to this movie being like it's not part of the franchise, Michael Myers isn't in it. If you can't get beyond that, then go fuck yourself. That like if you cannot get past that, go and watch the next fucking whatever piece of shit movie that Hollywood tries to put out post pandemic. I don't give a shit that, you, you know, like you, you miss the point. It's just, love the movie for the content. Don't fucking sit on a throne and, and literally cling to that one point on oh, the name. Who gives a shit? Is the movie good? Do you understand it? And if you don't understand it, even better, right? Like exactly. Get, get beyond it, get beyond it. And I think, I think that's also one of the beauties of, of movie fans right the abnormal creatures that we are not just your casual movie watch but people who actually enjoy films they can do that unfortunately the public at large cannot do that but ah, it is it is what it is it be what it be indeed so so on that note i think we've uh we uh with uh episode one we definitely uh cracked open the meteor and on this episode we started uh we started uh dipping our fingers in it and doing the old Jordy vero and fucking tasting the meteor <laughs> shit so um so we are we are uh the the fucking meteors cracked open and we got grass growing on our balls now so uh we got we got one more episode to to wrap this all up with the tyler brothers lou i can't thank you enough for coming on and as always it's you know, you and I are in, in constant uh, dialogue anyway, but uh, this was awesome to talk Halloween 3 Season of the Witch with you and have you on for uh, uh, Legacy Week once again. Dude, wouldn't have had it any other way. I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to come on and babble with you. It's always a, always a blast. Plug that, uh, plug that podcast, Lou. All right, so... Uh, I- I'm doing, or I've been launching them, and uh, technically, I guess at this point, uh, season 1.9 is up. I release three episodes a week. That is going to be coming to a close here in a couple weeks. But Burger Creek Productions, 15 Minutes of Fame podcast, 
Um, traditionally, one-on-one interviews uh, takes about 15 or 20 minutes. You get to hear some music. You get to hear me babble with these artists about nonsense, a little bit about their music. I try and throw some random fun bullshit in there. Um, but it's great. It's streaming pretty much everywhere. You stream streams. You know, uh, like I said, Burger Creek Productions, 15 Minutes Fame podcast. Hopefully, uh, with, with some light at the end of the tunnel. I know we said it before, but um, it, obviously, Jesse, you are the, uh, I think as you refer to it, you are the Syracuse dick yeah. of this uh, <laughs> creepy ass creation that was supposed to be booking shows that obviously hasn't happened. But um, Hopefully we see some sort of light at the end of the tunnel here in a couple of weeks once the vaccine is released post-election and we can actually get back to some sort of normalcy and uh, kind of pick that up. But in the meantime, you can listen to me uh, talk about nonsense with uh, all sorts of different artists. It's been a lot of fun um, having these conversations with, uh, with, with some of these different artists and uh, keeping it pretty loose and uh, literally uncertain. <laughs> I never know where it's... I, I have a set of questions, but I never know where it's going to go, and that's always that's always a good time. One hundred percent, and I've uh, I've found uh, a few different bands that I've enjoyed just listening to your podcast. So, uh, you know, uh, I believe uh, Silent Mile was was one of them I really liked, um, yep. and uh, uh, Atticus Finch as well. Uh, but there's uh, there's plenty. Luke's had guys for has had uh, Joe from the Dead Milkman on. He has had the uh, he has had Paul from Reagan Youth on, so he isn't just getting uh, uh, up and comers or or seasoned uh, locals or anything like that. He's getting the legit punk rock legends as well. So check him, check out the Burger Creek Productions 15 Minutes of Fame podcast on uh, all your streaming uh, choices uh, for sure. And uh, Lou, thanks again uh, for covering uh, Halloween Three: Season of the Witch on Legacy Week with us. Dude, awesome. Thank you.